Welcome to the Best Things Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to follow us on all the socials at Best Things Pod as well. Now, here are your hosts, Craig and Aaron. Hello, Internet. Welcome into the Best Things Podcast. My name, sweating away, Craig. Sitting next to me, and a, just a pile of goo, Aaron Brooks. It's, it's hot. hot. <laughs> we are recording this on, is today the hottest day of the year so far? Ooh, I, uh, I don't know the answer to that. If it's not, it feels like it could be. I'm it sitting is. at 100 actual temperature right now. Yeah. It's bad, man. It's. I know earlier when I drove by one of our banks, it said 102. It's just, it's just miserable. And so uh, you're listening to this in like the third week of August or so. And so hopefully, maybe it's cooled down a little bit by then. Today, the high was 103. The record high was set in 2011 at 114. Wowzers. I remember 2011. At least it's not that high. <laughs> yeah. Heat index was like 118 that day. We are expecting a cool down. Yeah, and- we're supposed to be getting nice. And uh, you're listening. You're you're yes. in the future, <laughs> so, so you know it either cooled down and came back up, or we're still in a cool off. I don't know. There's those uh, those memes and stuff that go around, and it says, you know, you are here. You know, you had <laughs> we're in uh, what does it say? Uh, Hades front porch right now. Yes. You know, it's yes. And then you're gonna have false fall, and then another heat wave, and that's Arkansas. But you know, you could say that about it a lot of places. And yeah, a lot of places have. Other that way in the U.S., but um, yeah, I mean, it is it is summertime. There's not much else you can do about it, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, today, uh, this is a you're you're in for a good treat. Not not only uh, three episodes in a row, okay, three weeks in a row. We're we're here doing it. It's a streak. It's a streak, baby. Um, so not only do you get that, but uh, this is this is going to be if you're a movie fan, a cinephile, as they like to say. Uh, and a fan of this man's work, uh, you're in for a treat. We are talking about Christopher Nolan films today. And uh, the reason why is because Oppenheimer just released a few weeks ago from when you're getting this. Uh, I guess it's, I mean, if we're looking at third week of August, it's probably about a month. It's been a month out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have seen it. We did see it we together. Went, we went and saw it together uh, in IMAX. Yes. Uh, we're going to get to Oppenheimer later. And we can talk about our experiences and stuff like that. I don't think we'll have a worst segment today. Um, we may sprinkle in a few opinions at different times, but I, I, I feel I would feel bad putting a worst segment on Christopher Nolan. Yeah, I've I have one thing that I would include in it probably. I'll see if anything else pops up in my mind along the way. There's but there's there's only one thing that I really want to, you know, throw fists over. <laughs> fisticuffs yeah uh but before we get all to all that uh we were having a conversation on text thread today and hold on on, i had music for this okay we have an update okay we have an update uh we did an episode i guess it was the last episode the streaming wars episode the the redux the part two uh the follow-up uh we mentioned in that episode that stuff changes all the time and just in the week or so, two weeks since we recorded that, stuff has been changing. <laughs> it's 
So, Aaron, yeah, it happens g- fast. Give us some of the updates. I know, okay. I know you're the one who, who told me about them. All right. So, uh, to lead things off, when it comes to the streaming platform Max, formerly HBO Max yes. and Discovery Plus, they merged. Our current champion right now, by the way. Yes. So, the latest numbers show that they have lost 1.8 million Ooh. combined subscribers uh, in the three months to June 30th. Goodness. Warner Brothers Discovery announced. So that was Max, Discovery Plus, and HBO lost a combined 1.8 million subscribers. And so so they went from 97.6 to 95.8 million. Um, and I'm kind of curious about this as I was asking some other friends their thoughts on why that is happening. And one of them said, well, I just take it because it was... Discovery Plus subscribers dropping off, moving to that. Max, um, and I'm a I'm a little because this says Max Discovery Plus and HBO lost a combined 1.8 million subscribers. But I'm wondering if you know, like you had both, didn't you? Yeah, I had HBO Max and Discovery Plus. I canceled Discovery Plus in the last three months. Yeah, when they merged, I dropped so, Discovery Plus. So part of me is like, I think there could probably be 500,000 people, half a million people that might be in that similar situation. That were like they had one or they had both, and now they don't need one or the other. Or I guess they don't need Discovery Plus. The CEO he said that uh, that they're tracking well ahead of the company's financial projections, mm-hmm. even though they lost that and their revenue dropped four percent. They uh, they went from uh, they lost one point two four billion Ooh. in the last quarter. Wow! But I don't think, and part of that has to do with. You know, movies like The Flash, yeah, that really underperformed. So they're counting box office. I think that they're including that uh, in their losses. There has not been a lot of heavy. I mean, speaking of Oppenheimer, like it was Barbenheimer was supposed to save the movie industry essentially because they're on strike right now, right? They are at the time of this recording. Yes, and uh, there there's been a lot of flops. Like Disney had their uh, Haunted Mansion flopped hard. And I think we mentioned this in that episode that Disney has had a a bit of a dry yeah. run recently. Yeah, it's they they continue to flop at the box office yeah. with their stuff. So just interesting notes. Uh, we also had there's rumors circulating that speaking of Disney because Disney is struggling uh, and they're they're having seem to be having flop after flop and they're they're just they may have spread themselves too thin. There is talks about some or all of Disney's media properties being sold to Apple. There, yeah, there's definitely some rumors out there floating so, around. You know, whether it's like just ESPN, just Marvel, you know, different segments, or just the whole kit and caboodle going over there. There's no doubt they have a good partnership because uh, they're going to be part of the the not the VR headset, the, but the Vision Pro. Pro. Uh, at launch, and so they obviously work well together. This that would be just ridiculous well, if that happens. Apple is attempting to dip their toe potentially into the college sports. Oh, really? Arena. This is one of the other things that was uh, that, that came out first of August, and I hopefully by the time this comes out, we'll know whether or <laughs> right. not this actually took place or not. But Apple is attempting to secure the rights to a streaming contract, exclusive streaming rights for the Pac-12 conference. Yeah. Uh, Now, the Pac-12, or it may be the Pac-9 by the time this (laughs) releases, I don't know. They're they're starting to just crumble and fall apart. 
but the rumors that I've heard is that there would be some sort of subscription with Apple. At first, I was hoping that this would just be included in your Apple TV subscription, right. but it's going to apparently be like an add-on. A channel. A channel that you can subscribe to. Like 20 bucks a month is the number that I keep seeing and articles Man. floated out. Which so, I guess you're, if you're like an Oregon fan, you'll pay that. If but, you were, yeah. As a Arkansas fan and SEC yeah. fan, there's no chance at all no. that I'm paying a dollar more no. than I'm currently paying to watch Pac-12 sports. Yeah. If it was just included in my subscription and an interesting game was on, I'd probably yeah. watch it. Now, if I if this was Arkansas and I could watch every basketball game, football yeah. game, and baseball game for 20 bucks a month, I'd probably jump at Through it. Through the Apple TV app, you yeah. know, just where you could see scores pop and you could have interaction. Yeah. I would probably be down for that. Now, I've watched like their baseball and stuff like that. It's yeah. really well done. I, I like their broadcasting. I, I, yeah, I love the stats that pop up and, and all that. So... I don't know, though, that the passion for college sports in the Pac-12 or whatever yeah. it is outside of Oregon really runs that high. And what I had read, another rumor, is that to get to having the kind of money that the Big 12 conference is getting, they would have to have 32 million Apple TV subscribers. Mm. I don't know that there's 32 million people yeah, I don't, subscribing I don't know. to Pac-12 I don't know. TV. Yeah, but think so. it's interesting that Apple is trying to, because we've seen them get into MLB, mm-hmm. Major League Soccer. They own Major League Soccer. They have it all. So I would like them to get into college sports. Yeah. This is where I'd like to see them go. Same here. So kind of a little interesting update. Yeah. The ever-changing. Ever cha- and which, you know, this, this episode is going to come out three weeks from now. Yeah. So. Who knows what it'll look like then? <laughs> who knows? There could be something different. Uh, you ready to hop into uh, Christopher Nolan World? Let's... Uh, Let's jump. Let's hippity hop. Before we can figure out the best thing, we have to talk about all the things. It's time for The Thing About the Things. All right, Christopher, Christopher Nolan. Uh, I'm going to actually pull up his bio here. Yeah, I haven't done that yet. We should introduce the man. We should. Um, and we're need, need to give him proper uh, introduction because, ladies and gentlemen, joining us on the phone right now is nobody. We're not that important. But us, if any of you listening believe that for just a second, well, then you are obviously do not know us or, or listen to the show. <laughs> uh, okay, Christopher Nolan, uh, born July 30th, 1970. I, For some reason, I... Fi- I always picture him older than he is. Yeah, you, you would think that he's older than he is. I mean, that's I what? Th- 50, he's 53? 53. Um, he's a British man, born in London, England. Uh, 15 years of fil- filmmaking, Nolan has... I'm reading just straight from IMDb. Uh, Nolan has gone from low-budget independent films to working on some of the biggest blockbusters ever made. At seven years old, Nolan began making short movies with his father's Super 8 camera while studying English literature at the University uh, University College in London, he shot 16 mil films at UCL's Film Society, um, and so that's kind of just kind of uh, up to when we're going to go in cr- chronological order, right? That's what we decided. Yes, um, starting with his oldest film. Now, uh, do you have anything on his shorts, like the stuff he did? I, no, I left the shorts out of my list. Okay, I'm just looking at his feature films. Yeah. Um, 12 of them. 12 of them. So 
for those of you who know how long we can go go sometimes, we we got twelve to talk about. I want to say up front that I typically just watch movies for the enjoyment of what they are in the moment. Right. Most of the time, I don't get too deep into the weeds on some of these. Uh, I was talking with a friend the other day about a specific movie, and from the beginning, he was like, man, the just the errors in the CGI and stuff from the beginning really ruined the whole film. It was stuff I didn't even notice, but he really pays attention to those details, and it ruined the movie for him. I didn't even pay attention to In a Christopher Nolan movie? No, no, no. This okay. was just a regular I was going to say, Christopher so, Nolan uh, famously does not... He, he's not a CGI He's not no. a CGI man. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. But um, my point was that I don't get bogged down in too many of the small details yeah, you, you, most of the time. You can't. You, you, can, you can lose the enjoyment of so, the film. There are probably some of you out there that are real cinephiles that that know more about these films and really get into the the mind and the art side of it. I'm just watching for the entertainment yeah. value and factor of it. We're, we're your average Joes. Yeah. So there may be some people that that really don't like what we say today or what I say today. Yeah. Uh, Let and us may know. have very different opinions on how they would rank some of these movies when it comes time Absolutely. To, uh, to do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, and just in the little research I've done, like his, his movies, kind of when different people rank them, they're all over the place, all like, over the board. I got some that I would not even put close to top of his list, seem to be at the top. So that's why I kind of I think we landed on let's do chronological order instead of trying to follow somebody else's ranking. And as always, uh, or at least as for the last few months, uh, if any of us at any point want to add a movie, we got to be quick to the button. Uh, and that way we can add it to our side of the bracket. Uh, and then at the end of this episode, we will bracket it out and uh, figure out which one, in fact, is the best Christopher Nolan movie. And it is going to be tough. So we will have eight of his 12 movies in this That's bracket. True. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to leave out four. Four are going to be left out. I think I know which four. Uh, because we have not seen them all. <laughs> we, that, yeah. Uh, we have seen... Uh, most, uh, most of, I of think them. I have seen 11 I've seen of the 12, 10 of the 12. Um, and I had, I was, cause we had talked about doing this episode all week. I was going to make it a point to watch the other two and just did not get to it. Uh, in time. and ironically it's his first two or er, no, he did. Well, let's just dive into it. Yeah. Uh, 1998. Uh, I keep wanting to say the following, but it's just following. The following sounds like an M. Night Shyamalan it does, film. Yeah. And it may be. <laughs> uh, have you seen this one? No. This okay. is the one that I have yeah, not seen. This is the seen. one neither one of us have seen. Uh, when I read the synopsis, though, it looked very interesting. Do you know anything about it? I really don't. Okay. Uh, let's just read a little. Let's read the I. We lean heavily on IMDb a lot, in case you couldn't tell. It uh, doesn't seem to have a lot said about it there. No. This was, this was his first feature film. Uh, and it's 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 black and white. The entire thing is black and white. I do know that. Uh, you're not talking about anybody of note when it comes to actors and cast and stuff like that. Nobody on this list do I think you would know off the top of your head. Uh, the young man is uh, Jeremy Theobald, which I do not know. Maybe, if, again, if you're a, a big-time movie person, you might know. Um but it's it's about a writer who I think basically gets obsessed. He kind of follows strangers for material and meets a thief who takes him under his wing. 
That's that, that is my knowledge of the uh, following. So in this Collider article, it says the story unfolds in a fractured narrative, okay. which would become the hallmark of Nolan's yeah. films going forward. So I am interested to go back and see this. I think it's available. Where does it say? I think I saw that it was on Tubi. Yeah. Tubi. Or not Tubi. Yes. At least that's no, what, that's the question. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> the dad jokes. It was right there. I saw, like, I just went into a trance and saw it on a silver platter, uh, looking like a big softball. That I could just, okay, sorry, I had to, I had to do it. AMC Plus, <laughs> if you have that, or Tubi. Yeah, Tubi is free. You can rent it on Prime for two ninety nine. Okay, uh, if so you want ad free. Ne- neither one of us, neither one of us has seen it, so I don't. I think I'm, I'm safe with saying it's not making our top. Top eight. No, I'm not going to include this one. It gets a 7.5 out of 10, which for somebody's very first film, I feel like is a pretty (laughs) solid start. He was set up for success pretty well. Um, But you fast forward uh, how long? A few years? Two years, I think. Two years, okay. And then you get to what's really probably considered his real first film. This is the one I think people know. Yeah. The first one felt like an indie film. This one was, this had a real cast. (laughs) Yes. This is the one people know. And this is, uh, I mean, Christopher Nolan has a very distinct style. And if you look through his movies, his, his, his body of work, it has a very distinct. He, I read something that says he does not like to work in linear linear time. Yeah, and I mean I appreciate that. Uh, you have seen this. So two thousand, we have Memento. You've seen this. Talk talk me through it. Well, I have seen it. It has been so long that I really don't remember this. Isn't this a great podcast, everybody? Uh, <laughs> this is what you wanted to tune in and listen to. Uh, I was so getting. We're, we're getting there. Don't worry. At, don't don't turn it off yet. <laughs> we do have stuff to say yeah, about some of ahead. these. If you want to skip ahead a little bit, you can do that. Uh, Memento, as I've been looking it up to kind of remind myself of the movie, I do remember this is the guy who gets amnesia. Yes. I believe his wife was raped and murdered. It is uh, Guy Pierce and uh, Carrie Ann Moss, which if I remember right, she was in The Matrix, wasn't she? I don't know. I believe she was, yes, she played Trinity in The Matrix. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, this, This again, it is, it feels like classic Christopher Nolan. There's there's suspense. There's, there's something, that third act is going to have something revealing. There's a lot of buildup. Uh, you definitely, you definitely start to feel his style really come out in Memento and you get some of those interesting plot twists and turns Mm -hmm. along the way. But the, the man has amnesia. He has tattooed or written stuff on his arm Mm -hmm. in his handwriting. So he knows that he can trust what he finds there as he tries to track down the individual who killed his wife. Yeah. It gets an 8.4. I gave it an eight. So I obviously liked the movie when I saw it. Mm-hmm. It must not have really left that much of a lasting impression because one of the other articles I was looking at today was on rewatchability. Oh yeah, 
And if I don't remember it, I don't know. A lot of people would put this one up at the top of the list. Uh, Collider says it's his fourth most rewatchable movie. Interesting. So I feel like I need to go rewatch it. Oh, yeah. I, I, I need to watch. This is, this is the second one I have not watched. So out of all of his movies, the first two I have not seen. The bulk of the film unravels in reverse chronological order. Um, and it, it, Collider calls it one of his most disturbing films. Mm. Interesting. So, uh, again, I had this one as an eight. You said that you haven't seen this one. I have not one. seen it. Nobody's rushing to the button at this point. No. I mean, I, I can't because I haven't seen it. I don't feel like I can put it in there. So we're down to 10 movies, <laughs> 10 movies that, uh, that are going to make it. Um, okay. So next up in 2002, 2002 oh. he's on a every two-year clip at this point. Yes. The, I was going to say one more thing about Memento is that on Rotten Tomatoes, it got a 93% and the audience score was 94%. Mm. So it was obviously highly liked yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, 2002, we have Insomnia. Now, this is where I first got introduced to Christopher. I didn't, I mean, I didn't know who he was at the point. And, and I don't think many people really recognized him as this blockbuster, you know, big-time director at this point. Uh, but... You talk about a cast that he now has. Um, Insomnia came out in 2000 to 2002. And here's the cast. Al Pacino, Hilary Swank, Robin Williams in a dramatic role. And I remember when this movie came out, uh, Robin Williams only did a few dramatic roles. I want to say it was this one. Um, there was a Bicentennial. Would you call Bicentennial Man a, a, a drama? I don't feel like it was necessarily hmm. a comedy, but I don't know if it was a drama. Right. Uh, but this one was, was had a, it kind of had a, a twinge, like a, like a, a shaving of a horror element in there. But this was, it was very suspenseful. Um, again, this was 2002. It was a long time ago. I have not rewatched it since. So this is the one that uh, I had not seen other than following. Okay. And I rented this one because it's only available to rent. Yeah. So I rented this one to watch in research so for this. This is fresh. Episode. This is fresh for me. Well, give me give me the freshies then. Okay. What what do you want to know? Any I mean all of it because like I said it's been at least okay. 10 15 20 years since I've seen gotcha. this. Gotcha. It gets a 7.2 on IMDb. I gave it a 6. Okay. Uh, I felt that this if if we were talking about rewatchability, I would put this one way down at the bottom of the list. I felt like Insomnia was somewhat of a forgettable movie. Okay. It was a good performance by Al Pacino, an outstanding performance by Robin Williams. He he He, did great. He He stole the show. Yeah, he stole it. He gripped the screen when he came on. Um, But I saw one of the articles I had read, and I think this really kind of sums up Insomnia a lot. It was a good movie, but in that early 2000s stage, there were so many movies with sort of the same exact storyline and plot that it just got lost in the weeds Mm -hmm. with all of those. And you can kind of pick any of those movies to go back and rewatch. And they're all good. There's nothing bad about this movie. It's interesting. There's, 
it doesn't have any of the huge turns and twists like mm-hmm. we're used to. I mean, you can pretty much kind of follow along yeah. because Robin Williams' character, I guess, is supposed to be kind of the interesting part that that comes up in the movie, but you don't see him until late in the movie. So you've already figured out, okay, if Robin Williams isn't in mm-hmm. it, he's got to be this mysterious yeah. man on the phone. Yeah. Um, but just, I mean, it was a it was a good movie. Would I rewatch it again? Uh, if there was nothing else that really? I couldn't find, I'd rewatch it. It explains why I haven't seen it in 20 years. But, you know, it it just it fits in with all of the other kind of movies in that same vein. Yeah. I thought. Okay. So it sounds like we're not nobody's hitting the button yet. I bet the button gets pushed in 2005. This is it took him an extra year to get this one done. 2005 we have Batman Begins. I'm going to beat you to it. Uh, Batman Begins. This, to me, for me, this put Christopher Nolan on the map. Um, everything else was leading up to this moment, in my opinion. And I think Batman Begins is one of one of the underrated films, uh, superhero films. I think it, I think it gets overshadowed. By the Dark Knight that we'll get to yes. later. But Batman Begins is really strong. It's really, really strong. Collider says it's his sixth most rewatchable movie. And I would I would probably move it up my list a little bit, yeah. I think. Yeah. As I think through that. But in the superhero genre, this is what kind of started it feels like. Really? Yeah, I mean this revived is revived. This is two thousand and five. So this is right before Iron Man came out. Yes. This was a different take on Batman. Yes. Uh, Because, you know, as much as, and we've talked about Christopher Nolan's Batman at length on this podcast before, but as much as Michael Keaton's character changed the game for Batman, because everything before Keaton was Adam West, very campy. Even the comics were kind of campy. Um, Michael Keaton brought a sincereness to it an authenticity to it but it was still to to him but gotham was still kind of clownish i mean it was tim burton so it was kind of it had a very tim burtonish vibe to it uh everything was exaggerated over the top laughable uh in some ways and when i want to know the story about why christopher nolan took this have you ever wondered that yeah I mean, him doing a superhero movie seems out of character based on the movies he's done up until that point. Right. So, very curious to know why he took it, but when he took it, he added this very serious, like, true to world. Like, this could happen in real life. There was nothing about Batman Begins, and honestly, not really much in any of his films that was not plausible. Correct. Everything unlikely, but it could have all plausibly been done. How much of a factor is it that Nolan had Christian Bale? If he had oh, gotten man. somebody else to be Batman, that's a great would point. that's a great? Would this be what it is? That's a really good point. I don't know who else, especially in the in the mid two thousands, could have played Batman. Batman like that. When you think of other Chris, Christopher Nolan films, you think of the movie and him. When it comes to Batman and this trilogy, yeah, 
you think of Christian Bale. That's true. Before you think of Christopher Nolan. At You're least right. I do. Yeah, I mean, I do too. Uh, but the, the style you would come to know as Christopher Nolan. Because you look at these movies that we're going to mention coming up, and uh, I think it it tracks. Like, you you know what to expect. And I think this helps set up what to expect moving forward. You end up with... And, and I can't remember. We, we named the best Batman. Did we name Christian Bale as the best Batman? I feel like we did. I don't remember. I don't either. I'm pretty sure we did. I much prefer Christian Bale to Michael Keaton. I agreed. I think Michael Caine in his role oh as my Alfred. Gosh. I yeah, think the casting was incredible. Morgan Freeman even in the role as Lucius. Yeah. And then how about Cillian Murphy? Yeah, yeah. Because they work together a lot. Uh huh. Yeah, and uh-huh. Christian Bale. They've worked together several times in different movies. Michael Caine. Yeah. Uh, he definitely has his his guys that he yes. likes. Uh, that's for sure. And it would be so interesting. I don't know if this Joseph exists. Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Yes. Yeah. If, there, if anybody Hart, has done an on. interview to discuss what is it about these guys that he comes back to. It must be a great, just great working relation. He knows he can trust them. He knows they know the process. And from one genre to the next in the film, yeah. they, I mean, they just translate. Yeah, because uh, yeah, there, there is a handful of, but you're right, Cillian Murphy, uh, he has worked with him the most. He was in all three Batman movies. Yes. Um, he was in Inception, Oppenheimer. I feel like there's one more that he was in, but I don't remember. But, I mean, you're talking five movies right there. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I rang the bell. I'm going to I'm gonna stick Batman Begins right now at three. See, I think that's a wonderful spot for it. Um, it might depend. On, where, would it, where would you rank it on your rewatchability Christopher Nolan list out of 12? I, I, I watch it every year. I Do you watch th- the entire trilogy? Um, yeah. Uh, but, so... In, in ranking the trilogy, this is number two. Correct. Uh, Rises yeah. is is the the third, the third one on mm-hmm. that list. Really good, but it's it's the third on that list on that on the trilogy. Um, so I may watch it every other year, but I mean, usually if I'm able, I like to like to trilogy it up, you know, and and, and take some time to watch them over the course of a couple of weeks or so. Uh, yeah. So Batman begins for me uh, the three hole right now. Then we have uh, the very next year. <laughs> he had a little bit of a run. He had a major run, man. Uh, the Prestige. Dang it. I was really hoping I'd get that one. Where are you going to put it? Uh, I want to put it number two right now. That's a good spot. I want it number That's two. where it was going to go for me. Two. Uh, Tell us about I it. I am disappointed on Rotten Tomatoes. This comes in. Ranked number nine, it gets a seventy six percent, which I think is greatly undervalued. Oh yeah, some of the articles that I have read, some of these movie review guys, they've got it one, two, and three in their lists, and that's where I think it deserves to be yeah. in the discussion. This is Up a at top the top. Tier. Yeah, absolutely. Rewatchability. Hi. This is going to be top three for me, you know. Even we, okay, this is the beautiful thing about, we're not, spoilers, right? We have, yeah. We need to say I mean, that. it's 2006. <laughs> There's going to be spoilers on every one of these movies. 
you know, if it has a, a, a big twist in, in it. Um, even when you know the outcome, you, you know the twist at the end of this movie. Yes. I'm going to say it. This is your last warning because it has a big twist at the end of this yep. movie. So skip ahead if you don't want to, if you've never seen this. You need to watch it though. Oh, yeah. When you find out there's a twin, like it is sixth sense kind of twist for me. Exactly. I mean, I, I still remember the first time I watched this movie. Yeah. It was just one of those that was like, this. Yeah. Because I didn't see it coming. <laughs> it, coming. it caught you so much by surprise. And what's so beautiful about because he works in nonlinear time, when you go back and rewatch it, every time you rewatch it, you're start you're picking up on things like it makes sense now, or I see it now. Yes. It's not like it was an afterthought. He had this planned out from the beginning. And he he scripted everything. He was very intentional in what he he directs and what he leaves in the movie. Um masterpiece great cast hugh jackman christian bale michael, michael kane, kane. <laughs> reoccurring theme um scarlett johansson yes uh david bowie yes is tesla <laughs> yes uh andy circus which who is great uh yeah it's it's just got a it's got a big cast um hugh jackman is fan, fan, fantastic in this to me, aside from Wolverine and Logan, this is probably my favorite role for him. Um, okay. What about um, the circus one? Yeah. Well, what, what, um, the Greatest Showman? The Greatest Showman. I know a lot of people would do that. I'm just not a musical guy, so it, it was lost on me. But the, the trio of Michael Caine, Christian Bale, and, and Hugh Jackman work so well together. The rivalry they have. Uh, if, if you don't know the print, well, I guess we should say the premise. We've yeah, yeah gotta, we hadn't even talked about that. <laughs> We've been fangirling over here about it the whole time. Uh, it is, it's about magicians, two magicians were that were once friends. Yes. Turn into rivals. Yes. And uh, Michael Caine's kind of like their, uh, their cue, you know, <laughs> you know, he's the one who's building the props and helping them. He's the behind the scenes guy. Um, Scarlett Johansson is like the assistant to, uh, he's, he's Hugh Jackman or she's Hugh Jackman's assistant and then switches sides. She kind of double crosses a little bit because the whole idea is like stealing secrets. Like he's doing better than me. What, what, what can I do differently? Correct. Um, what was the trick's name? I can't remember the name of the, of the trick that Christian Bale's character does in that movie. Um, it, it, it has to do with the doorway. Basically, on stage, uh, the disappearing man, I think is what it was just called. I think it was just that simple. But he would have two doors set up on stage. He would, he would bounce a ball over the top of it, run through one door, and pop out the other door on the other side of the stage. And these are just self-standing doors. They're like, how did he do it? And it just, it gets, it gets weird. It gets a little supernaturally at different points. There's cloning involved. <laughs> like, it's just incredible what all it goes to. You, uh, I don't think I did a, 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 I did not do it justice trying to explain it. I can tell you that. I, and as I sit back and think about the beginning, Michael Caine does an introduction to the movie where he explains as his character in the movie the three parts to any illusion yes, yes. that ends with the prestige. Right. 
and then you come back to it at the end of the movie. Yeah. It is it is so good. Yeah, because there's this what like the setup, the misdirection, and the prestige. Yeah. Isn't that it? Something S- like something, that. Something like that. Um here was an interesting fact that I found. There is a bird killing collapsing cage yes. trick that is in the movie. Uh, it is an actual trick developed in the eighteen hundreds by a French magician uh Decolta. And uh Modern performances use a fake bird, but the original trick was just like it was shown in the movie. The cage collapses if not held in a certain way, disappearing up the magician's sleeves. The bird inside is typically killed. The second one revealed, the magician claiming it is the original bird. Um, It's... But not... (laughs) Right. So, I'm a sucker for magic. I love illusions. I love tricks. Yeah. Uh, there was that show that Penn and Teller did, Foolish. Yeah. I absolutely loved that kind of show. Yeah. So this movie combined all this, set in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. You get some uh, Tesla and Edison feuding that's going on in the movie as well. Yeah, they mix in some history in there. It's, some it's actual just a, stuff. an incredibly well-done movie. Highly rewatchable. Very highly. Uh, Very well done. I may have more thoughts on this later (laughs) to get to. When I I think about these, my head gets swimming sometimes because I'm like, there's so many things that go on in a movie like that, that I'm, it's hard for me to kind of succinctly describe it, but yeah, very high. You you gotta, if you're a Christopher Nolan fan and have not watched it, make this part of like, like watch it this weekend. It's that good. It's that good. Um, Then we have 2008. Dang it. I didn't know how civil we were going to be. <laughs> Not civil at all. Not when it comes to this. I should have just hit it before I even said the date. Uh, no, where do you want this? Uh, number four. No, number four? <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> uh, uh, actually, I'm, I, I, I'm just playing. You, you, you take the Dark Knight. Okay. I know that this one is, is very near and dear to you. Okay, I want to so. take it at number two. Okay. All right. If you're, if you're going to give it to me. I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, man, this is... To that date was his masterpiece. I agree. Any disagreement there? <laughs> no. Uh, you had, of course, Christian Bale returning. Uh, Michael Caine returning. Uh, Katie Holmes did not return. That's she played Rachel, right? That's and right. Uh, replaced by Maggie Gyllenhaal. I never found. I never real, re- realized why. I don't I know don't, why I, she. she yeah, didn't I don't know that one either. Morgan Freeman returned. Uh, Cillian Murphy returned. Gary Oldman, which we didn't even mention uh, from Batman Begins, returns as Gordon. Uh, but you introduced two new characters: uh, Heath Ledger's Joker and Aaron Eckhart's Harvey Dent. Both of these were cast perfectly. Um, with the star of the show being Heath Ledger. It was an incredible performance. (laughs) It was insane. Um, This is required watching at least once a year. I probably watch it twice a year. This, I am comfortable, I think, saying that this is number one most rewatchable for me. I... Yeah, a lot of his are so rewatchable <laughs> for me. It's hard to say it's which one's the tied. best. It's probably tied. But one. It's yeah. 
Because, I mean, at the end of the day, it is a superhero movie, so you're not going to have too many twists, you know. Some of his movies you really have to pay attention and yeah, follow. Yeah, exactly. You have to be invested in yeah. it. This, this one, one... You do, but it's also a superhero movie. <laughs> this is one that's an easy entry point for anybody to that's watch, That's a great though. way to do it, yeah. It starts out great, too, with the, the bank and the bus. Uh, <laughs> I mean, because... Oh gosh, man, we get we get we get so nerd out. <laughs> I don't know how deep people. Are. I mean, if you're listening 40 minutes into this us us ranting, then about these movies, then obviously you care. But uh, I, I could I could sit there and just quote the entire movie, and I, I'm I'm restraining myself from doing it. But the whole idea of they have to off the next person in line, and then you get to Joker's character, and and he, he's like, no, I'm supposed to take care of the bus driver. <laughs> uh, it was just so. It was just so well done. Uh, did he write that as well? I do not remember if he wrote. You know, I didn't. I've only got his pulled up as director. He, he is one of the writers. Okay, Jonathan Nolan, also a writer. Is that his brother? I assume. I think so. Um, Heath Ledger's Joker. He did an incredible job with that. A lot of people. Okay, a lot of people attribute this character to his death, and that has been disputed. I think that's that's false information. I think he was already taking the medications that he was already taking, and I think he just had a bad mix with something else, uh, and that caused him to die. But um, just Heath Ledger's his tics, you know, like just how he smacked his lips, that, and he just kind of he talked. He just kind of you know squirmy sometimes. Uh-huh. He was just ah, uh, and I love the, the design choice too. Because again, it was very true to form, very realistic. Yes, it didn't look like Jared Leto's fake weird Joker. Yes. you know, approach to it. The to show the bus crashing through the wall of the bank, which was actually a post office. Yeah. The bus had to be taken apart and rebuilt inside the building. They concealed it behind a fake wall and shot through it with an air cannon. Wow. Yeah, because we we haven't really mentioned this yet, Christopher Nolan. Does not use CGI. No, no CGI. He wants everything to be real. Which is, when you when you think about the stuff he's done, is incredible. For a long time, people were amazed. The more CGI you mm-hmm. put into a film, it was like, oh, yeah. you got to go see, see all the effects in this. And now it's like we're amazed when somebody yeah. doesn't do CGI. <laughs> yeah, that's like, true. Look at what he's done without CGI. Because yeah. it is impressive the stuff that he has pulled off practically and to me i think it it i think it's better i think it's just better and especially one of his dealing in reality yes and i don't know why they didn't just crash the bus through a building <laughs> bill didn't do that because when we get to talking about tenant one of my favorite stunts that they do involves crashing something through yeah. a building that they actually did. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he learned from this and was like, we really want to sell the effect. So right. they do it in tenant. Um, but it, he, he's so good at those kind of effects. One of the other things about this movie is the movie could have ended four or five times. Every time I watch it, I'm like, I, we we're, this is the climax. Like this is the climax of the movie. The movie's about to end. And then it just keeps going. It has another climax. You know, when, when, when Aaron Eckhart's character burns, you're like, well, this is it. No, it keeps going. When, when the hospital, you know, blow, oh, no, it keeps going. Like, there's so many different moments that you think it, and it could have ended. Like, he could have made that a two-parter and it would have been great. But the fact that it's just so engaging for that long. 
uh, is a real testament. Is it the best superhero movie of all time? Oh, man. That's really... We Have we ever done just a superhero? I don't think so. We've done a Marvel. I don't know that we have either. I think we've always been in specific universes. As far as like a singular superhero's story, yeah. I think it's hands down. The only reason I hesitate is because Avengers Endgame, when it just, you know, that one scene honestly puts it over the top because, you know, and I always combine Infinity War and Endgame together uh, whenever I think about it. Uh, I, I kind of consider them as one movie, but the the epicness of that might put it over the edge. But as far as how well done a film, this is a this is the best superhero film. Okay. Avengers may be a better, bigger superhero movie. Okay. Uh, did you already answer the rewatchable? Did you say this one? Yeah. You, you, you said maybe tied for yeah for first. Yeah. No further down than second for sure. Uh, anything else about Dark Knight? I mean, we could keep going, but 2010 we have Inception. I was about to hit it. I was like, you were not. You gave me Dark Knight. I'm going to give you this one. Let's put this one number one. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, where is this on your rewatchability? Uh, it would be first or second, probably yeah. right there with the Dark Knight for me. Yeah, it's really good. It, I, this, this was, I think, the first one that I felt. Like my mind was bent yeah. so many different directions yeah. and it drove me. I don't know when I first watched this movie and then bought it, we must have watched this three or four times in a row mm -hmm. because there's so much to take oh, in with this film. There is. This is one of those you don't just sit down and casually watch. Who thinks of this? <laughs> I don't know. Who thinks of this premise? <laughs> the, this kind of goes back to um, some of his other movies where multiple things are taking place at one time. Right, yeah. And he really expands on that in this movie. Yeah. Because you have a dream within a dream within, within a dream. <laughs> and I I mean, it's just so... Yeah, it bends, man. <sighs> it just bends you and twists it you. Twists, melts it twists it. And it puts it back together again. Yes, and it's left so open ended at the end that people still argue and debate back and forth. You get to determine how this yeah. movie concludes okay. and ends. I have I have thoughts on the ending. Okay, okay, but before we can ex talk about the ending, we got to talk about the, the setup. First, yeah. we got to talk about the cast. Oh, yeah. Um, we have Leonardo DiCaprio, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Ellen Page, uh, Ken Wat Watan Watanabe. Tom Hardy, uh, Cillian Murphy, again, Michael Caine, again. Uh, I feel like I'm missing somebody else. Tom Berenger, Dalip Rao. Uh, those may not be household names, but they do a great job in the movie. So the premise here is that basically um, Leonardo DiCaprio's character and he has a band of people that he's... This is almost like Ocean's Eleven. He's he's putting a team this together. Is, this is a heist movie. Yeah, it's, it's a heist. It's a heist movie. Uh, but they operate in people's dreams. They have figured out a way to infiltrate people's dreams. And so uh, if they can hook you up or connect you or something, 
and get you to fall asleep, they can be in your, and your dreams feel very real. And so they're, they can't actually do anything to you physically in the dream. They plant an idea in your mind. Yeah. So give this person a million dollars, you know, that kind of stuff. I would use this for all the wrong reasons, (laughs) but this big job that they have to do, which by the way, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, he, he is out of the United States and cannot get back in. Correct. Because, uh, him and his wife got too deep into this thing and you start to forget what is real. Yes. You lose all reality if you go too far into this. And that's what happened to his wife. She, uh, she thought she went into this place called limbo, Yeah, which they had, they lived a life, a lifetime in that place, which time works different. This is why my wife does not like these kinds of movies because she, when it, when it gets into time stuff, she's out. Like she, she just she doesn't have the bandwidth to, 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 to pay that much attention to it. But like you know, what is it like? Oh, a, I don't remember the time how the time works, but like a second is like a you know an hour or something like that. And the deeper you go, the longer time gets. So they went down like four levels or something and just lived an entire lifetime in a dream. And so when they finally woke up, she thought that the real world was the dream. And so, again, to get out of a dream, just like you do in real life, like, like you know, any, anytime you're in, in, in a dream in our normal lives, like if you're falling, well, when you die or get hit or something in your dream, you wake up. Same thing happens here. And so that was the point. She fell up, she jumped off a building trying to get him to go with her to wake up. And so he could not get back into the country. They infiltrated, blah, blah, blah. The end of the movie, he spins his top, which is what, what do they call it? Um, I'm trying to remember. A, not a, is it talisman or no? Uh, I can't remember. I'm going blank. I can't remember what it is, but everybody has has one. Uh, and it's how you know whether you're in a dream or you're in reality. Exactly. And so the end of the movie, he, the whole goal for him, he's doing this one last job. So he can get back to his kids and his family. Yeah. And uh, so the end of the movie, after they've completed their mission, the end of the movie has him spinning the top to see if he's really dreaming or not. If it continues to spin, yeah. you're in the dream world. Yeah. If it topples, you're in reality. And he turns and walks away. He walks away before it does anything. The camera focuses in tight. And, and then cuts. But here's the point. Here's the point. Here's why I need to set that up. Because the theory is every time he is in a dream, he has his wedding ring on. His wedding ring on. In the real world, he doesn't. And they say that when he spun the top in his, in his other hand, you could see that his wedding ring is not on. So it's, so it's a happy ending but there's still a lot of debate. <laughs> uh, when it, One of the biggest complaints I have is that this movie, hands down, should have been the 2010 best picture of the year. Oh, yeah. It was not. What one? I believe it was The King's Speech. See, that's... Colin Firth. Dumb. It was a okay movie. We gotta, we gotta fix the whole Oscar situation. This... Inception, uh, and I'm kind of disappointed on Rotten Tomatoes. It comes in at seventh on the list. Wow. Um, I don't understand that. The audience score is much higher. Audience score is up at 91% over what the Rotten Tomatoes score is. 
the visual effects in it too. For for being a guy who does not do CGI, like you're seeing entire cityscapes bending and flipping over and upside down and things are just twisting and turning all the way around. Actually, uh, this was 2011. So it's just incredible to see how again what he do. And this is well, going back a movie to The Dark Knight, really even Batman Begins, I guess. Christopher Nolan has a very distinct thing he does with music, with the soundtrack and the score. He does incredible with just building tension, mm-hmm. with just building anticipation, and then he knows how to use the quiet too. So he will build and build and build and build, and then nothing, and it just encap- encapsulates you. It gets you in that moment, it sticks you there. In Inception, he based each main character's special skill. On filmmaking roles, mm-hmm. he said, "I wrote the one I went." So Cobb was a director. Arthur was producer. Uh, you had the production designer, the actor, studio, and the audience was wow. all represented in his mind as he wrote each of these characters. Gosh, that's how he viewed. You the, talk about deep, man. I mean, he you went talk about so deep. deep on this. Movie. I love that. I've never, I've never seen that before. Neither have I. Now I've got to go rewatch the movie <laughs> right. to to view that through Nolan's yeah. eyes. Yeah. Gosh, man. Because And each so time, cool. and you can just, I mean, you can get so far into things online as you read through this and catch things, and you go back and watch the movie again, and you're constantly seeing things that you didn't see before. Right. It man. was just so good. Really good. Okay. Uh, moving on. 2012, we have The Dark Knight Rises. Um, this was the final piece to the trilogy of Batman, Christopher Nolan's Batman. Again, a two-year clip. We're, we're back to a two-year clip. Every every couple of years, you're going to get a Nolan flick. Um, this sees everybody return um, with the addition of Tom Hardy, who we've already mentioned is in a movie. Uh, so Tom Hardy gets added as Bane, and Hathaway comes in as Selena Kyle, a.k.a. Catwoman, and somebody we've seen recently as well, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, yes. uh, appears as Blake. What I would love to see is a follow-up with... I, I loved Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character in Dark Knight Rises. I would love to see him come and, and do a Robin series. Um, or, uh, you know, uh, 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 what is it? Batman Beyond or something like that. One of the things that I saw quite a bit as I was reading different people on this movie, this one seems to continually be ranked at the very bottom of Nolan's films. And I think that this sentence from Collider kind of encapsulates what a lot of them are saying. Here's the thing about The Dark Knight Rises. It's actually pretty good <laughs> until it isn't. Yeah. Uh, and they they felt like it just went a little too long and got a yeah. little too off the rails yeah. toward the end of the movie. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I mean, that's why, to me, it's the, it's the third place finisher of that trilogy. Um you know, it starts out really good. You've got the whole plane scene with Bane and, uh, you know, just the stunts that they... I mean, they they rip a plane apart in the middle of the air. You know, it's just incredible. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. There is a lot of buildup. When, when the whole city goes on lockdown, that part goes a little long. I, I, like, I liked when, when uh, Christopher uh, or Christian Bale, B- Batman, uh, when they break some... And he ships yes. him off to where he came from. The whole I like that that series, but the whole city under lockdown, that part did go a little bit long. And you know, it it was criticized for 
being kind of out there, like this part isn't believable. Yeah. It is a comic book right. movie. Yeah. I don't know that everything has to be believable, no. but and again, it was, some of the other, you know, Batman Begins, Batman, uh, uh, Dark Knight, The Dark Knight, they didn't go this far no. into some of those things. And it's still based in plausibility. Like, all of it still could happen, but much more unlikely um, that that gets that that happens. So, um, neither one of us hit the button on that uh, one. I'm gonna hold off yeah, for a little I'm, bit. I'm, I'm holding as well um, because there. We might each have be, two spots to fill. We do, correct? and I may end up coming back to it. But uh, in 2014, <laughs> I want to make sure to get this one because this is my number one. Uh, 2014 sees Interstellar. Uh. This, to me, is his masterpiece. To me, this is his best movie. I rewatched this recently. Really? And I demoted it. Did you really? I did. Oh, no. Uh, this I had as his third best. You had? I had it as his third best. Okay. And after watching it again, I... Uh, I took a star away from it. Did I you had really? this as an eight out of 10 and I bumped it to a seven out of 10. Wow. This, uh, and I, it, it hurts me to say this. Why? What is it? Because it, it's such a great movie. Well, that's why I would devote it to, <laughs> but I'm going to use the phrase that collider used uh -oh. until it wasn't. Okay. You don't like the ending. I don't like, some of the choices they made in the last 30 minutes of the movie. Okay. It's just, it's just, tell us the premise of the movie before I describe <laughs> the ending and what, why I have problems with it. So okay, we know so what we're talking about. Matthew McConaughey and Hathaway again. Again, he uses a lot of the same people. Uh, just, I'm waiting for another Matthew McConaughey movie because you know he'll use them again. <laughs> uh, Jessica Chastain. Uh, you've got uh, John Lithgow. Uh, who does a great job in this? Uh, Michael Caine, again. Michael Caine may be in the most movies. I he think may he's be. in more than, than Cillian Murphy is. Timothy Chalamet, uh, David Oyelowo, or Oyelowo. Uh, let's see. Oh, and uh, Casey Affleck is in it. And uh, Matt Damon yes. uh, makes an appearance. He is uncredited. Uh, but makes an appearance in this, which you you know you got to have some pull to get Matt Damon to have a pretty significant role in the movie and be uncredited. Yes. So the whole premise is Earth is dying, basically. Global warming, uh, climate change, whatever you want to say has happened, has happened. Uh, things are, the crops are dying. Uh, the world is much, uh, much smaller population-wise uh, there's only a few crops that are that are left. The, in the movie, they famously say okra will be gone this year. This is the last crop for okra. Uh, corn is about all they got left, and even it's got oh, a few years left. So they're they're desperate for resource, and so uh, a lot of things have been shut down. Uh, there's one one of my favorite scenes is when they uh, go to a baseball game, and uh, you know he takes Murph to go see a baseball yep. game and they go and it looks like, you know, a little league park, a little league or, stadium, you know, a minor league, something. And then uh, they're wearing, it's the New York Yankees. Yes. 
Like they are, it's the Yankees playing on this tiny little field because there's barely any people left on the planet. And so uh, secretly NASA has been working on a project to explore other worlds, to find new habit, habitable homes. And so the whole premise of the movie has to do with, with leaving Earth to try to find something. There's a wormhole that's opened up. This is typical Christopher Nolan stuff, working with time. And so uh, because McConaughey's character used to be a pilot, uh, he gets... We won't talk about all the ways that it happens, but he gets to be on one of these flights, helps lead it, and uh, they get to a wormhole, and so time starts. This is your, your typical nonlinear. Time works differently. He says famously to his daughter, who's like, what, 10 years old at that mm-hmm. point when they leave, that I might be the same age as you when I come back, yep. and it just sends her into a, a, a spiral. So they explore other worlds, and uh, that's where they encounter Matt Damon's character because he's been in cryosleep forever. And so, uh, basically, they have to do, they do drop-bys on some of these planets, and, and time happens. They go to a water planet where every second they're on there is a year, or every minute they're on there is a year, or something like that. I think every s- every seven minutes. Uh, something something so, yeah. like that. I don't remember. So, again, just because gravity and time and all this kind of stuff. So, they're actually only down there for, you know, tw- three hours. So they're down there for three hours. They come back. It's been 23 20, years. Yeah. So the guy they left up on the, the main station, they come back. He's old. He was asleep for a long time. He woke up for a time. And uh, so his daughter on earth has grown up. People have moved on. Life has gone on. So as the movie goes on, earth has progressed. He saves the world. Um, actually, his daughter saves the world because she figures yes. some stuff out. And so uh, he gets sucked into a black hole. That's where things get trippy. Like the whole black hole scene, and that's probably what you're talking about, isn't it? N- no, 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 not because he gets not entirely. He, he he voluntarily goes into a black hole because it's the only way that yeah. that Anne Hathaway's character can survive. And so he starts seeing things, and he starts seeing shapes and colors. And before he knows it, he's falling down this thing where he can see books, and and the whole beginning of the movie comes back into play where Murph, his daughter thinks she sees a ghost in her room because books keep falling and things keep happening. Turns out it was him the whole time. Right. Uh, in this space, this four dimensional, whatever fifth dimension. Yeah. Trying to communicate to her from the future, what to do. So one of the things when they're on the water planet, and this is something that I have never caught, but it is, it's a, it's one of those details that's so incredible, but the in the music, yes, they there is a tick mm-hmm. every one and a quarter seconds. Yeah, there is a tick in the music that plays while they're there, and every time you hear the tick, it represents a day passing on Earth. Yeah, and it keep and if you go back and rewatch it, you can count up and yep. figure out. I mean, and that is one of those details. Cool um, one of the other things when they he had his people plant 500 acres of corn right where they drive through this field of corn they planted 500 acres of corn and after they finished filming it they sold it and they put the profits back into the film's budget smart the i did not know that one that's the good. black hole each individual frame of the black hole took 100 hours oh my god to render that equaled 100 days the black hole effects, it's, it, it was 800 terabytes oh of data. 
for some of the older listeners, that would be half a billion <laughs> floppy disks, 11,000 tons of floppy disks. Um, it is, again, some of these effects that they did were just unbelievable. Yeah. It's just incredible. But here's where I have a problem, and it yeah. is with Matt Damon's character. It is with okay. this plot twist. Okay. I think that the movie, you could leave that out of the movie, and it still stands. I felt like it was unnecessary to try to create this whole drama of Damon trying to kill everybody else. Uh, I, I just don't get that whole thing. It just felt like it was unnecessary. Hmm. Okay. And that, to me, hurts the film a bit. When okay. I go back and watch it, it's like it just felt forced. Like, all of this is flowing along, but then they added that in, and it doesn't feel natural to the rest of the movie. My second complaint, and then you can answer them both. My second complaint is Cooper's entire goal is to get back to be with his family. Yes. When he gets back, he spends <laughs> all of... 30 seconds with his daughter because she's dying. It, no, he he's looking for his next thing to go out. It it shouldn't matter. It, he is her father. He should he should stay there with her. You've spent all this time trying to get back and then you're only going to spend, you know, a couple of minutes. You don't even talk to any of the other people in the room that would be your family. You just walk out and steal another but he doesn't know them. Spacecraft. He, he doesn't have memories That's, with them. They don't know him. They, he, they, they should be introduced. His daughter should be introducing. There should be this stuff going on. It's stupid. It's ridiculous but, that you spend all of this movie building up to, I'm coming back because I want to be with you. But we and, don't know how long he actually spent with them. I mean... Oh, it's it's only minutes. In the movie, it is. Like, I mean, in, in this world, he could have spent a couple days with them, sat down and had conversations. No, I, when you go back and rewatch it, it is clear all of this took place in just moments. I don't know about that because there's a, there's a cut because you have this... this uh, uh, the conversation, the, the voiceover happens where he, you know, he he has his moment with his daughter. Then he walks out of the room while the, her family gathers around. He could have stayed till he she died. No, because there's it, there's no. It kind of cuts and fades away to his. I don't think he went straight from there into the craft to go find. I think he did. Character. I don't, I don't think so. Rewatching it, it's a huge blunder in the movie. I, I don't, between I don't know. Matt Damon and that, it absolutely destroys what was a great film i will say i think matt damon i think you're right i think that the the way they did that that plot point i think could be changed i think it still needed to happen in some or i think they needed to get to that planet and have struggle but i think i think you're right i, I can agree with that part like i don't know that his he needed to, to but you had to have something happen with their ship in order to cause that tension of the return home, you had to have, they had to realize that that planet was not the one to go to. So there had to be some of those things happen to make the rest of the movie work. But I would agree. I, I don't think they needed him to be a villain. We have the water planet and then whatever the other doctor was, we barely see anything about that planet when Anne Hathaway yeah. gets to it. Uh, we spend just a few minutes at the water it felt like that middle planet with Dr. Man took up so much time that it just wasn't necessary. I could see that. And it hurts It hurts the movie. I don't know if so, it hurts the movie, but I could, I could see it, your angle. It definitely does. 
when you come back to rewatch them, the rewatchability factor, it just annoys you when you get to that. <laughs> Whereas some of his other films don't have that in it. Okay. And so that for me, it, it can't be his number one film because of that. Wow. Now, it definitely, in very much the same way that Inception has all sorts of questions and what can we learn. And yeah. there's, I mean, you're talking about time warping and yeah. dimensions and all of mm-hmm. these things. You can really get into some interesting stuff yeah, you can. online when you and, and see you, that. And just like you mentioned with the water plant with the music, like the music is famous now, you know, I mean, that da da, you know, that, that score just kind of throughout the entire thing. Uh, again, building tension, dropping the energy, stuff like that. By the way, if you hear uh, a child crying, it's one of ours. <laughs> I don't, I don't know which one. It sounds like mine, but uh, okay. Uh, then you've got 2017 Dunkirk. This is which makes me probably think one of us is going to be adding The Dark Knight Rises because I don't know that either one of us are going to put Dunkirk in there. Yeah, this was a war epic. A lot of people love this movie. It's number four on Rotten Tomatoes out of all of his. It gets a 92%. Yeah. It is interesting because it's filmed in three different perspectives from three different people on what's happening on this day. Yeah. It's very unique in how it's done. I need to go back and watch it again and see if my mind's changed any on it. Uh, Same here. But I gave it a six. It was just... I was a little disappointed and let down by it yeah i need to sign in so i know what i gave it to because i don't think i gave it that that i think i probably gave it a six as well one of the interesting things about this movie is that some of the ships that were used in the movie uh to rescue the soldiers were the actual boats that were used uh in dunkirk oh really were actually used at dunkirk to rescue actual soldiers interesting when this happens so that's that's pretty cool that is interesting i feel like and in, in, he's done two two hit real life you know based on true story historical yes. films and i feel like both of them for me not that they fell flat but obviously there is he's dealing in more linear time on these yeah. and i think it 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 almost puts him in a box in some ways because I'm so used to some of his other things being so different and there's tension there that I just don't get with this one. I, I, again, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember when I watched this, it felt like it just felt like it was a straight line to me. That's the best way to know how to put it. It just felt like it was just a continuous, just one plot. And and maybe I need to go back and rewatch it. Now, I mean, visually incredible. Um, you know, it looked great. The acting is, is good too. I think just it just didn't scratch that Christopher Nolan itch. If that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Then we have uh 2020, Tenet. This is the one that brought movies back. Yeah. Because this was in 2020, and Christopher Nolan was adamant about... A lot of people didn't like this. Yeah, most people were were shifting their movie, either pushing it back or saying, we're going to just do streaming. And Christopher Nolan, he pushed it back a little bit, but he said, no, this one's going to be in theaters. Did we go watch this together? I think we did. I I think so. This is another one that bends your mind, twists it, melts it, turns it all the way around. The... 
Oh, taking it. Okay. I'm taking it four. That I w- I was considering taking it at four. This movie, while it's good, I feel like they went a little too far into some <laughs> of the the time stuff with with Inception you were able to pick up on it pretty quick as you went through the movie. This one, this one you were yeah. totally lost yeah. <laughs> until you get way toward the end of the movie. Yeah. It took forever to really understand. And I think for a lot of people, they probably just checked out of it yeah. before it got to that point. Yeah, I liked it. That's probably why it gets lower ratings for users. I gave it an eight. I need to, I really do need to log in or love my phone. Um, I'm going to log in while you're, this while, is while the you're one, talking and logging in. This is the one that has what I think might be his best effect, and that is when a plane crashes through the hangar. Yes. Because they actually crashed a plane, a, <laughs> a massive jet plane. They they crashed it through yeah. the hangar. Um, and I had it pulled up here, and I'm trying to get back to it. But... I gave this one an eight. It gets a seven point three. Also, yeah. I I need to rewatch it. This was one of those, and this is how I know if a film is good enough that I'm willing to go out and actually buy the movie. Yeah, it was good, and I went and bought this movie. Yeah, uh, I think I own the Prestige. I own yeah. The, I own a lot uh, of the Dark Knight. Tra- I own the majority of Christopher yeah. <laughs> Nolan movies. I own them because I like them. Yeah, uh, and so and when I'm criticizing his movies, I'm I'm kind of. Oh, even splitting even, hairs. Yeah, even his worst movies are some of the best yeah. movies out yeah. there. <laughs> it's I'm, like a pizza. Bad just, pizza is still a good pizza, <laughs> right? I'm I'm comparing him to himself. Right? Yeah, exactly. Against everybody else, uh, you That's know, I may complain it. about Interstellar, but it's still drastically better yeah. than the vast majority of other movies <laughs> yeah. that exist. Uh, yeah. So this is, and it this one's. We, we're not going to really do justice to try to explain this movie. No, yeah. I don't think I could explain <laughs> this movie. It, it's, time works backwards in certain, uh, not just overall time works backwards. Like you are having to, Oh, <laughs> you really have to think through this one. Yeah. It's, it's really going to be hard. Let me see. Do I, is there a description here that I could just read a, a storyline? Okay. Uh, in the twilight uh, world of international espionage, which this is a spy movie. Unnamed CIA operative known as the protagonist is recruited by a mysterious organization called Tenet to participate in a global assignment that unfolds beyond real time. The mission prevent Andre Sator, uh, a renegade Russian uh, person. Wow, you're using big words, person who wrote this, um, uh, who has precognitive abilities from starting World War III. The protagonist will soon master the art of time inversion as a way of countering the threat that is to come. That clear it up for you? <laughs> the, and because of all of this, there's a lot of articles that I read, like this one right here from Collider. They rank it as his worst movie. Really? Uh, it seems to get a lot of hate from people. Just because it's probably... It feels convoluted to them. Complicated. Very, very complicated. I remember when the end of the movie came around, I was literally like, Oh, whoa. <laughs> like it just Yeah. It was that moment, but it it for me that makes me want to go back and watch it. And I remember rewatching yes. it going, "Oh, it makes sense now. Yes. I know why they did that because time inversion it happened." But if you're if if you're not prepared for it, 
Yeah. Then you're going to go into it expecting one thing, and then you're just going to be mad, frustrated the whole time. You know, you have that app Run P that tells you when you can go. This is one of those movies yeah, where you don't, probably don't need to leave. Wear a catheter. Like something. You've got to stay really connected into this movie. I mean, yeah. 30 seconds glancing away from it, you uh, may miss something are, incredibly important on this something. on this yeah. movie. You Absolutely. Know? Uh, the other thing, this one really kind of gets some hate over, and this is what I was going to put in my worst category. Sometimes I feel like the music in his films mm. can overpower yeah. some of the dialogue and make it difficult to hear what's happening. Yeah. And, and think, that was one of the big criticisms for Tenet. And I think that's, you know, the problem is probably when he's mixing it and when he sees it on his system and in their theaters, whatever they're doing, it sounds incredible and it's perfect. But when you're dealing with different theaters, they they adjust their volume. So they have a speaker out. They'll turn it up too loud or too soft. Then it, when you're at home, it could be designed for 5.1 Dolby, and you've got two stereo speakers. And so, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm with you on that. I, I totally get it. In the right settings, though, in the right situations, it is incredible, though. And then uh, 2023, we are here. This came out just a little bit ago. Oppenheimer, where you want it? Fourth. Fourth, which means you still have a third left. <laughs> you just like hitting the button? Did you get a pick one? No, I, I was going to go ahead and take my other one. Uh, I mean, you've only left me. There's there's five <sighs> movies that you have to choose from. You got Following, <laughs> Memento, <laughs> Ins- uh, Insomnia, uh, Dark Knight Rises, and Dark Dunkirk. Knight Rises, Dunkirk. I, I'm going to take Dark Knight Rises. Okay, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it fourth. Take I it want fourth. Oppenheimer third. <laughs> I'm going to move it up. Okay. And this is one I've obviously not had the opportunity to re- to rewatch. That's true. Uh. My my opinion on this could move up or down based on a rewatch of it again. That's also true. I, I reserve the right for my criticism because I, I came away from this movie not enjoying it. But I think I do need to rewatch it. I I gave it a 7 out of 10. It's getting better ratings than that. It's a long movie. Long movie. And it felt long. Felt long. I. Uh, but I want to be able to watch it in the comfort of my own home next time. Yeah, because we had some... We had a bad theater experience. And that can play into Absolutely. how the feelings yeah. about it went. And so I want to take that out of the equation. Yeah. Um, Which, by the way, Chanel IMAX... <laughs> gosh. Every other theater, the rinky-dinkiest theaters that we've been to have recliner seats and plenty Good of space. Grief. Y'all just decided to stick with cramming people in there. We did not know that going into it. No, we just we assumed... Didn't. One of the nicest screens in the Little Rock yes. area would have also the nicest chairs. So and the one that my wife was sitting in, her armrest was it was missing actually. So her and the person she was sitting next to were just like up against each other. Yeah. They didn't have a cup we, holder. We could get that's the worst. Uh, it, that's the worst. Yeah, thing. it was the, the, the watching experience. We get there. There's a line because they don't have enough people taking tickets or yeah. scanning car- codes. Uh, we we did. Uh, well, we tried to get the Order concession the delivered yeah. to us because the that line was happen. too long, and it never happened. So my wife had to get up uh, because she was completely lost and out of the movie anyway. So she went out to go get our food, uh, 
And then it was just long. I mean, you couple all of that with a long, long movie, movie. Yeah. and you're just kind of, you're just, you're just done about it. And one through. of my friends, I think this kind of sums up the movie. If you don't care about history or politics, right. he said, and I think this is a great way to say it, Christopher Nolan made no effort to entertain you great, in that, this movie. That is a great point. You either care about this or you don't care about it. Yeah. And they kind of drop you right into... J. Robert Oppenheimer, who's an incredible individual. He's an interesting historical figure to study. And so I enjoy that part of it. And as a historical adaptation, this is an incredible movie. Yeah. When you couple everything else together, it, I gave it a 7 out of 10. Yeah. I want to go back and rewatch it and see if I was too tough on it. Yeah, I give it a 6. And you still have sort of these timeline things that are going on. You do... There, there's not five minutes in that movie where there's not a flashback. Yeah. Or a flash forward. Like it, it's either... It's very yeah. cutty. It's jumping from the 40s to the 60s to another time in the 60s. Yeah. But as far as Cillian Murphy as Oppenheimer... It's incredible Emily job. Blunt, uh, Robert Downey Jr., the acting was incredible. Yeah, Matt Damon. Yes. The effects, again, no CGI no was CGI. done. So my biggest complaint, though, when it came to the effects is they did one bomb. Yes. You're watching a movie about the invention of the atomic bomb. You get one and it's a test bomb. Yes. Uh, and you don't even see the full thing, which, right. I mean, again, I get, you know, they can't practically launch a nuke. <laughs> right. <laughs> but like I this is the one exception I think he could have made to using some CGI. It might have been. I think we would have, because especially there was no need. By the way, there's there was no need to watch this in IMAX. That was my that was going to be my complaint. Was everybody was like, oh, you got to see this in IMAX. You know, and the the real IMAX is the best. You know, and I watched it and was like, I. My brother said he saw it and it was not in IMAX, but he saw it in XD, and that's the one apparently that will like shift your yeah, chairs yeah. and make you feel the vibrations. He said that was incredible. He said he really enjoyed that because they were recliner chairs, plenty of space. Yeah, they enjoyed their movie-going experience. But he said it, you could, in those moments, you could feel things shaking. He said that made a big difference to him. But no, did not need IMAX. Uh, but like you didn't get to see, not that you want to, this sounds bad, but I didn't get to see the bombing of yeah. the cities. I didn't get to see that perspective, that angle. That was kind of a footnote. And it felt like that was obviously very intentional, very intentional. on their part. Um, but I feel like the entire story and life of Oppenheimer is covered very well. I agree with that. Um, um, whatever your political leanings are, they really don't try to sh no. shape things one way or the other. Um this one, we'll try to limit some spoilers, but there's not too many spoilers I mean, that it, we can get. In a historical but, movie, yeah. it's kind of hard. The The rivalry between Robert Downey Jr.'s character and Oppenheimer was a, a little bit of a twist at the end, Yeah, the way I, they portrayed that. If, if you don't know the history, because you get to the end of the movie, after the bomb testing, which feels like the climax of the movie, right. then it goes on for another 30, 40 yeah. minutes, and it's Senate hearings. Yeah, it, I think that his goal was to build on that tension between them because that's when that gets yes. revealed. I think, though, that could have been packaged differently. Sure. Uh, because you, you have this epic moment that you finally get to because it feels like everything's building toward that, and then you feel this big drop off in energy and they try to build it back up again. You know, the music picks up yeah. as they're as Robert Downey Jr. is on his monologue talking yes. about it. But it just, by that point you're, you're kind of taken out of it a little bit. Yeah.
And I like my my left knee was hurting from being in the same <laughs> position for right at three hours yeah. and feeling cramped. I was just ready for it to be over. Yeah. So I want to get to rewatch this same again. Here. Same here. Because I think some of these movies have gotten better over the years. Their initial reception may not have been as good as what they are now. Yeah. So this one may be one of those that a year from now, two years from now, and 10 years from now, yeah. we feel different about. Agreed. And that's that's Christopher oh, Nolan. That's yeah, Whew, man. We was like Oppenheimer. We've gone long here. <laughs> yeah, so somebody's uh, like, man, my knees locked up. I wish they'd <laughs> shut up. I can't get out of this chair. No snacks arrived. Uh, we got tacos waiting for us. You ready to bracket uh, this thing yeah, out? Let's do it fast. Okay. If you want to be the best, you have to beat the rest. This is the best things bracket. Okay, we're going to try to speed our way through this part, uh, but still take this job very seriously. Well, it's a serious thing. It's a serious thing. Some of these, I don't think, I think we know aren't going to last very long in the tournament. So uh, here we go. Inception versus Tenet. Three, two, one. Inception. Inception. The Prestige versus Batman Begins. Three, two, one. Prestige. Prestige. But don't sleep on Batman Begins. No, no. If it's nope. been a while since you've watched it, go back and watch yep, it. Yep, yep, yep. Interstellar versus Dark Knight Rises. Three, two, one. Interstellar. Interstellar. And then Dark Knight versus Oppenheimer. Three, two, one. Dark, Dark Knight. Okay. Then we have Inception versus The Prestige. Three, two, one. Inception. Inception. Then Interstellar versus The Dark Knight. This is the one I thought would be the final. So it's hard to see one of these go out so early. Um, okay. Interstellar versus Dark Knight. Three. Two, three, two, one. Dark, Dark Knight. Knight. And that, that it's, it's close, but for me, the, the gripes that I had about it, I don't have gripes about the Dark Knight. I, I, I can get that. Yeah. I, I think, again, I, I had Interstellar as my number one, and I'm going to stick by that ranking, one, two, because that's, honestly, those are probably one, two in my overall <laughs> movie rankings, uh, just because I look at Interstellar as a film and the Dark Knight as a movie. But, you know, I know. I'm weird in that way. Some people are like, what's the difference, Craig? <laughs> I was waiting for you to explain it to us. To me, there's a difference. Okay, I can't explain it. It's just the difference. (laughs) Okay, Uh, then the final, uh, Inception versus The Dark Knight. This is a tough one. And Uh, see, like, for me, these are probably my top two. Yeah. Three, two, one. Inception. The Dark Knight. Okay, Inception, one to ten. Three, two, one, nine. Dark Knight, three, two, one, ten. ten. Oh! So I, I, I just went from my IMDb ratings, and those are my two that are ranked as tens. All right. Dark Knight. Congratulations. Dark Knight is the winner. Uh, but we have to answer another question. It may be the best thing today, but is it the best thing of all time? It's time for the best thing battle. Okay, so we have 
two movie related. We have HBO Max, our reigning champion, for only one week, going up against The Dark Knight, Christopher Nolan's movie, The Dark Knight. Uh, so we got to make a decision: HBO Max or Christopher Nolan. Sorry, Max or Chris Nolan, Dark Knight. Three, two. Okay, we need to package how we want to uh, approach this. Okay. If you can only, uh, I think this is how we need to do it. You can only have one of these two things. Yeah. You can either have, I just cut out abruptly. Cut it. You can either have The Dark Knight as a movie or the app Max. And that's how we have to decide. Three, two, one. Max. Because I think as of right now, The Dark Knight is on Max. He's on Max. You can stream it there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. All right. HBO Max. Or sorry, Max. I have HBO Max written on there, so I remember it's not just Max 1. Um, yeah. There you go. Two-time champion. Surprise? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah? Yeah. I have a feeling it's going to be a three-top champion because I know what our next episode is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be like Washington, yeah. D.C. all over yeah. again, isn't it? <laughs> I am interested to see where this next episode goes. Oh, it's going to be a good uh, one. This one didn't have a lot of funny stuff in it. No. You know, yeah. It just didn't lend itself I, to that. I, I was thinking the whole time, but, like, this is not very TikTok. Uh, you know, not, this is going to help us not. out. Much. This one is just something that if you want to go to sleep, put this yeah. one on and listen yeah. to it. The next, next one, week, I think it, there's going to be some interesting stuff. Yeah. Next week, ladies and gentlemen, just, just tune in. Okay. You got anything else? No, I'm good. All righty. Then that's it for the best things. I'm Craig. I'm Aaron. We're going to go not sweat. Woo. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Best Things Podcast. If you liked today's episode, subscribe and leave us a review wherever you're listening now. And remember, connect with us on the socials at Best Things Pod and you may hear your take on an upcoming episode.